brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. We continue our examination this week of the combinatory of St. Vincent of Lawrence. And as I will, as I always say in these, for those, the benefit of those who might be new to the channel here, I originally picked this book up a year ago or more now for work on this channel, this ancient text, this 15, 1800-year-old text, because Pope Francis decided to give us a uh, some statements about how the church and the faith are constantly in flux and how things can be changed and all that. And he cited St. Vincent of Larens for what he was saying as evidence of support from the, from the doctors and fathers of the church. When in reality, when you read this, the opposite is true, that they were decrying attempts to change the faith, to make it more relevant for modern times, to, <laughs> to make the church relevant for modern audiences, if you will. He was, St. Vincent of Larens was against that very vociferously. So today we are going to return to examining St. Vincent of Larens as we are getting close to the end of the book. Not quite there yet. We'll be finished with this by the end of 2023, I suspect. Chapter 25. Heretics appeal to scripture that they may more easily succeed in deceiving. Here possibly someone may ask, do heretics also appeal to scripture? They do indeed and with a vengeance. For you may see them scamper through every single book of holy scripture. The books of Moses, the book of Kings, the Psalms, the epistles, the gospels, the prophets, whether among their own people or among strangers in private or in public, in speaking or in writing at convivial meetings or in the streets, hardly ever do they bring forward anything of their own, which they do not endeavor to shelter under the words of scripture. Read the works of Paul of Samosota, of Priscillian, of Eunomius, of Jovinian, and the rest of those pests, and you will see an infinite heap of instances hardly a single page, which does not bristle with plausible quotations from the New Testament or the Old. But the more secretly they conceal themselves under the shelter of divine law, so much the more are they to be feared and guarded against. For they know the evil stench of their doctrine will hardly find acceptance with anyone if it be exalted, pure and simple. They sprinkle it over, therefore, with the perfume of heavenly language, in order that one who would be ready to despise human error may hesitate to condemn divine words. They do, in fact, what nurses do when they would prepare some bitter draught for children. They smear the edge of the cup all around with honey, that the unsuspecting child, having first tasted the sweet, may have no fear of the bitter. So, too, do these act, who disguise poisonous herbs and noxious juices under the names of medicine, so that no one almost, when he reads the label, suspects the poison. It is for this reason that the Savior cried, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. What is meant by sheep's clothing? What but the words which prophets and apostles with the guileless of the sheep wove beforehand as fleeces for that immaculate lamb which takes away the sins of the world? What are the ravening wolves? What but the savage and rabid glosses of heretics who continually infest the church's folds and tear in pieces the flock of Christ wherever they are able? But that they may be more successfully guile steal upon the unsuspecting sheep, retaining the ferocity of the wolf, they put off this appearance and wrap themselves, so to say, in the language of the divine law, as in a fleece, so that one, having felt the softness of wool, may have no dread of the wolf's fangs. But what saith the Savior? By their fruits ye shall know them. 
That is when they have begun not only to quote those divine words, but also to expound them, not as yet only to make a boast of them as on their side, but also to interpret them. Then will that bitterness, that acerbity, that rage be understood. Then will the ill savior of that novel poison be perceived when those profane novelties be disclosed. Then you may see first the hedge broken through, that the landmarks of the fathers removed, that the Catholic faith assailed, then the doctrine of the church torn in pieces. Such were they whom the Apostle Paul rebukes in his second epistle to the Corinthians, when he says, For of this sort are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. The apostles brought forward instances from Holy Scripture. These men did the same. The apostles cited the authority of the Psalms. These men did so likewise. The apostles brought forward passages from the prophets. These men still did the same. But when they began to interpret in different senses the passages which both had agreed in appealing to, then were they discerned the guileless from the crafty, the genuine from the counterfeit, the straight from the crooked, then in one word the true apostles from the false apostles. And no wonder, he says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. It is no marvel then if his, his servants are transformed as the servants of righteousness. Therefore, according to the authority of the apostle Paul, as often as either false apostles or false teachers cite passages from the divine law, by means of which, misinterpreted, they seek to prop up their own errors, there is no doubt that they are following the cunning devices of their father, which assuredly he would never have devised, but, the, but he knew that where they w could fraudulently and by stealth introduce error, there is no easier way of effecting his impious purpose than by pretending the authority of Holy Scripture. Did you find that easy to understand? The heretics use Holy Scripture to push their errors on the church. Some things never change, folks. They really don't. We see it all the time today. You know, when, when someone tells us, oh, the, for instance, the new mass is the way the ancients worshipped. Well, it's actually not true. <laughs> That's been largely debunked. The, or that communion in the hand was fine, that the, that the earliest Christians practiced communion in the hand among the laity. That's also been debunked. Yes, there is one saint who said something on that, but you also have writings from his peers telling people not to engage in that practice. You see this all the time. You see it all the time with scripture also. Very, but they also add something that even I think St. Vincent would have found bizarre and unthinkable to their practice. They take scripture and they filter it through a new lens of critical analysis. So today, critical analysis typically means that we know more today than the first to second, third, fourth century Christians did. You know, those Christians who were the closest to the apostles and to the disciples and to our Lord himself, in a sort of temporal sense, closer to him, that today we know better about scripture than they do. And so they engage in what gets called critical analysis and critical studies, which essentially just means taking everything we thought we knew about scripture and throwing it out the door. I'll give you an example of this. The most, the two most example, the obvious examples of this are the, we, we, Francis has said this one himself, that the uh, miracle of the loaves and fishes was not so much a miracle of our Lord multiplying food in a miraculous sense, but it was a miracle of sharing that everybody had a little bit of food. And when they managed to put it together in a sort of a communitarian kind of way, it was a miracle of sharing that they all had enough to eat because it was a real, the real miracle was that they stopped being selfish. We've heard that one before. And of 
course, the other one being that those two cities destroyed by God in the Old Testament for sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance were really destroyed because of their lack of hospitality. Nonsense. No one believed that until a few years ago, but that's what they teach now. They always put the words of scripture in their mouth when promoting error and heresy. The Combinatory is a great read, folks, and I do recommend getting a copy of it if you can. It's worth your time and very accessible, I think. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, though, please. Hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to share this on social media, that helps, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.